kind of in this new environment where we're countering a contagion outbreak, you have to really sit down with the epidemiologists and the infectious disease doctors and stuff like that and learn what the difference between prevalence and incidence rates are and how to, and how to calculate an incidence rate in order to allow the commander to understand the degrees uh, or the, uh, the concentration of any given outbreak within a population center or within a group of people. Hi, and welcome to the 1CA podcast, a production of the Civil Affairs Association. I'm your host, John McElligot, and our guest today is Colonel Steve Battle. Colonel Battle has been in the Civil Affairs Regiment for 15 years, serving in multiple roles throughout Special Operations and General Purpose Forces units. He has served and held command in a host of different countries and units around the world as a Civil Affairs Team Leader, Company Commander, Battalion XO, and Battalion Commander. He currently serves as the 8th Army G9 in the Republic of Korea. Colonel Battle, welcome to the 1CA Podcast. Thank you very much for having me, John. Sir, where are you calling in from in the world? I'm calling in from the 8th Army Headquarters. Uh, that is in Pyeongtaek, uh, Republic of Korea. It's about uh, an hour south of Seoul. Okay. Sir, could you describe Pyeongtaek for the listeners? Is it a big city, small-sized city? It is certainly an emerging city. Uh, the, where we sit right now in, uh, in Camp Humphreys, very short time ago, was a very rural area. Pyeongtaek is a major export and import uh, hub, especially for the automobile industry uh, within Korea and some of their uh, heavier manufacturing facilities. Camp Humphreys is a sprawling uh, and very large and very brand new uh, military installation here in Korea. Uh, it, it is home to the 2nd Infantry Division Headquarters, 8th Army Headquarters, uh, USFK Headquarters, UNC Command Headquarters, and then most of the major subordinate commands under 8th Army are here. So very, very big area, all brand new, and a lot of amenities for soldiers and families stationed here in Korea. Roger. Uh, sir, you're here today to talk about the U.S. Forces Korea COVID-19 response and the role of civil affairs at Echelon, and we're going to be looking at your role in the 8th Army. Could you talk about how many CA players there are in Korea? We had a chance to speak with your colleagues, Lieutenant Colonel Rachel Sullivan and Major Mike Carlson in a previous episode, but how many CA uh, folks are, are around Korea right now doing planning? And, and also, what was your role normally uh, what was your mission? What was your responsibility before COVID-19 broke out? Okay, so um, first we'll talk about the different echelons here. So I, I think everybody's kind of familiar with uh, USFK, where Colonel Lieutenant Colonel Sullivan works. Major Mike Carlson is one that is uh, the S-9 for the 65th Medical Brigade here uh, on Camp Humphreys, and that is one of the major subordinate commands underneath 8th Army. What you have here as far as the civil affairs picture you have the uh, Combined Forces Command, which is one of the uh, one of the components in U.S. Uh, it, it, within the, the the larger headquarters. Combined Forces Command involves both the U.S., uh, U.N.C. and uh, Rock Army, and they have a C9 under Brigadier General Zubik, and then his team there. Lieutenant Colonel Sullivan uh, shares uh, office space both at CSC and at USFK, United States Forces Korea. And then Mike Carlson is with the S-9 of the 65th Medical Brigade. The 8th Army is kind of positioned in between the two. Uh, the G-9 shop here has a uh, about uh, 
three, uh, four active component officers, about the same number of NCOs, and then a uh, smaller contingent of Katusas and uh, Korean Service Corps uh, local national civilians working for us. Okay. Uh, you also have the 19th Expeditionary Support Command. They're down in Daegu, and they have a G9 shop as well under that one-star headquarters. Uh, the 2nd Infantry Division is a major subordinate command underneath the 8th Army. Uh, that is a two-star command, and they also have a C9 as the 2nd Infantry Division is a ROC-US combined division. Uh, I think the only one really in the U.S. Army inventory uh, as it incorporates both U.S. units and ROC units. Roger. And, sir, what was your mission when you had first arrived, and can you describe how things just took a wild left turn for you? Kind of have uh, almost uh, dual roles uh, here and uh, as the 8th Army G9. Uh, first off, you have your uh, you have your standard contingency operation, right? So the United States is here to uh, assist uh, the Republic of Korean forces to protect and defend the Korean people and the Republic of Korea. We take that job very seriously here and, and continually train to defend the uh, the Korea, uh, the Republic of Korea and the Korean people against uh, any type of incursion or aggression that would violate the, uh, the armistice. And then also you have your steady state uh, operations here where we're continually improving upon the ROC-US alliance, uh, and that would involve a host of different uh, activities, whether it be uh, engaging within uh, uh, populations and local governments and, and ministerial governments as they continue to uh, you know, develop that relationship in and around areas where we have vested interests, whether it's training areas or um, uh, military garrisons or something like that. So you have this steady state uh, operations, and then you have these contingency operations, and you're constantly moving back and forth between the two. Okay. So, and then you have, you know, what happened in late January uh, all the way up to mid-February is the coronavirus outbreak. Right. And, sir, could you talk about the tracking of the virus? When the SARS-CoV-2 virus broke out in nearby China, uh, well, I understand that there were certainly intelligence reports and uh, health officials who were tracking it and sharing that information with other U.S. government officials. How much early warning did uh, you guys get a sense of and building that into the updates that were going to, to your clients and uh, going and sharing the information with uh, ROC counterparts as well? The information sharing between us and uh, our Korean counterparts has been very positive, uh, and it's really uh, a product of a great relationship that we've built really since the early 1950s. What really kind of uh, set a lot of it off is, was the sudden rises in cases uh, here in Korea and the danger that it posed uh, to, uh, it, well, it really the risk that it posed, uh, the exposure risk that it posed to U.S. forces, which would, uh, you know, ultimately uh, affect our soldiers and families. And that's when really we started to get involved in the uh, the COVID response. We've been doing this for a while now, I, so my, my concept of time is, is kind of uh, fluid, but... Uh, I think that really started up about uh, mid-February. And, sir, we want to shift a little bit to civil information management and the role of SIM, the SIM process, in the information that's been shared about the COVID-19 response. Has that been the main thrust of what you've been producing for 8th Army? Yeah, you know, with, with civil affairs in general, uh, you know, it's a, the good news is you, you kind of, you're able to touch everything, and the bad news is you're kind of able to touch everything. 
because any type of operation that deals with the integration of civil and military, you're, you're almost responsible for. So uh, when it comes to the COVID response, where at least the 8th Army G9 shop has been able to find value is uh, within the civil information management process and allowing the commander here at 8th Army to visualize uh, the extent of the contagion, uh, both here in the area of responsibility, which we would consider the Korean Peninsula, especially in areas proximate to the 8th Army garrisons in Korea, and also the area of interest, uh, which we would consider probably uh, the United States and other areas abroad where incoming soldiers or incoming family members would have been exposed to coronavirus uh, in an area outside and then uh, potentially be bringing the contagion here uh, into Korea. Understood. And what systems are you using for the SIM process and, and how is that working at the joint level? You know, the, the civil information management as is defined in, in SM3-57 is really kind of goes over the, the process of gathering, collating, and, and you know, processing and, and the information. It's up to really the, whatever your nine shop is, I would imagine, uh, to add, you know, context to that. And what I mean by context is how you apply that process to whatever wor- real world environment uh, you happen to find yourself in. And for us, obviously, the coronavirus uh, response. So we were able to work with our joint headquarters, uh, as well as several different staff sections, to physically map out, uh, and this really applies to the Korean context, uh, hotspots. And these are areas within the proximate communities that have or have a higher probability of uh, of facilitating contagion transfer, right? So this is an area where a coronavirus-positive person uh, visited while they were contagious. Uh, and then mapping all of these areas or points as they fall uh, you know, within proximate communities. And so that's one of the aspects of it. And then kind of working with other staff sections to allow them to visualize uh, for the commander uh, their value as well. You know, this particular instance, this particular uh, response, we work quite a bit with the surgeon cell and with the medical brigade for obvious reasons, because they're really kind of the front line in this conflict, if you will, or this uh, response to this operation. And so working with their teams to uh, help them uh, visualize their data points as well. And within 8th Army, we're using a suite of software called Sydney. And, you know, each different command is going to use, I guess, whatever whatever is in their SOPs. But uh, we use Sydney here, and so uh, we deal a lot actually with the knowledge management team as well as we gather, uh, collate views, assess information, and then process it through and help the commander visualize it through the Sydney mapping tools. Yeah, the Army is huge on maps. Visualizing cases and the spread of cases and disease, presumptive positive or confirmed positive cases, is such a great tool. Has that been through, uh, do you know, sir, contact tracing? Or has Republic of Korea been using other technological tools, other wearable technology, to find out where people are moving? I do know that they use the cell phone towers and uh, individuals' access to phones as a way of both informing and then mapping out for themselves uh, kind of where people have been. For example, uh, on my Korean phone, you typically get updates on uh, positive cases as they surface, or areas that may be within proximity to you that uh, 
that would facilitate contagion because they've been visited by a symptomatic case or a contagious case. You know, for us, it's, it's kind of mapping those places out, which requires us to kind of have a partnership uh, with either our joint headquarters or local governments or both. And also uh, being able to uh, rapidly data mine, gather, and then process information so that it can be visualized. And we do this a little bit with the U.S. Uh, sites as well. You know, and they use different processes. You know, the, the U.S. government, I think the, the holistic uh, effort of the U.S. government is typically using ArcGIS, understanding or allowing the commander to understand by county in the U.S., about 3,000-plus counties, what is the uh, incidence rate or what is the, uh, the concentration of the contagion uh, in each county within uh, or approximate to uh, U.S. military garrisons in the U.S. that are sending forces here to Korea. Uh, and so allowing the commander to understand that is, uh, is obviously very important. And also we're starting to track a little bit more of the testing uh, that's been going on in the United States, uh, you know, exponential increase in testing since uh, the beginning of March and its effects upon uh, the U.S.'s ability to visualize the contagion domestically. And so as they begin to wrap their hands around kind of where the contagion exists and what, in what areas and in what concentration, that becomes important to the Army commander because the U.S. military posts that are sending people here may or may not then really exposed or somewhat exposed uh, to the contagion before they get on planes and head over to Korea. You've been listening to an interview on the 1CA podcast with Colonel Steve Battle. He serves as the 8th Army G9 in the Republic of Korea. When we return, we'll speak with Colonel Battle about the civil affairs support to staff operations, what he's been doing at the 8th Army, and some takeaways. Some takeaways for the CA commands at Echelon and what his thoughts have been, lessons learned from this experience that he's currently in the midst of, the COVID-19 response and the outbreak in Korea. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Third Order Effects. Third Order Effects is built for clients in the U.S. government, allied nations, and industries in the private sector which operate overseas. Interested in learning more? Or maybe you'd like to join our network? Or your organization is looking for governance and cultural advisors? Contact us at thirdordereffects.com. Welcome back to the 1CA Podcast. I'm your host, John McElligot. Our guest today is Colonel Steve Battle, serving as the 8th Army G9 in the Republic of Korea. Colonel Battle, we want to talk about CA support to staff operations. What does that look like in 8th Army? We had talked earlier about um, the civil affairs support within the 8th Army operations before the, uh, the contagion outbreak and how that pertains really both to many state operations where we're continually improving upon the ROC-US alliance uh, through CIVMILF integration or interaction, and then also uh, preparing ourselves to support any type of contingency operation where we would be called upon to uh, defend the uh, Republic of Korea and the Korean people uh, together uh, with our uh, with our ROC counterparts in, in UNC sending states as part of uh, any type of uh, a traditional alliance. Now, since the contagion has spread, uh, or the contagion has surfaced here in Korea, and both globally, the 8th Army G9 shop has found itself in a position where we can add value to the staff, mainly through our capacity to conduct civil information management. What that really translates into is our ability to use the SIM process and then allow the commander to visualize the contagion where it exists within the civil community 
uh, both within the area of responsibility, which we would consider the Korean Peninsula, and then also um, within the area of interest, which is uh, more and more becoming uh, CONUS and uh, the garrisons that are sending forces uh, to Korean Peninsula uh, from the continental United States. Roger. Well, I tell you, as a, from the civilian side of um, my my neighbors who don't serve in uniform, they certainly feel free to go to the grocery store whenever they want to. You know, if they're sick, they're supposed to stay at home and self quarantine if they have symptoms or they're caring for someone who is. But I would imagine if uh, on the active side, if if someone is sick, you can lock them down. What is happening within Eighth Army? What kind of preventive measures have happened and how effective have they been when you look at Camp Humphreys or in Pyeongtaek with uh, force protection? Very early on, you know, USFK, General Abrams, and General Bills here have taken this uh, contagion very, very seriously. You know, kind of moved around uh, some of the positions to ensure that um, whoever enters onto uh, Camp Humphreys has been vetted appropriately. And so anything between, uh, uh, you know, taking people's temperatures as they enter onto the base asking a series of questions, kind of uh, making sure that individuals haven't traveled through areas that uh, are considered hot spots or considered areas that uh, uh, contagious people have, uh, have potentially you know, infected. Those things have been going on uh, since a very, very early time. And people have attributed those actions to a relatively small amount of, of individuals on Camp Humphreys that have actually gotten infected. The transfer within Camp Humphreys, like individuals uh, between, you know, units or whatever else, is, is actually very small. But that doesn't mean that uh, everybody here takes a very lax attitude uh, towards it either. In fact, the health protection um, HPCon status uh, within Camp Humphreys still remains elevated uh, to HPCon Charlie Plus, and uh, most people, if you're not considered mission essential, are staying at home uh, in order to uh, reduce the probability of uh, transferring the infection here internally within the Army and, and within Camp Humphreys. That's great to hear. And speaking with your colleagues, Lieutenant Colonel Sullivan and Major Carlson, they had mentioned on the previous episode that the internal staff processes have had to change so that people are spread out six feet apart, using different conference rooms, doing a lot of VTC video calls to see each other and, and coordinate. Has that impacted your work and how have you needed to adjust? like that now. Um, most of uh, the G9 shop does work from home. So that, that means that, you know, internally we do uh, DCS collaborative chat rooms uh, to just kind of synchronize information. Uh, a lot of people work either through OWA or we're in the process of getting VPN accounts for our people so they can kind of even work more effectively from home. Some things we do need to come in uh, just to kind of check because we just don't have access to certain systems uh, from our apartments or from our houses or whatever. But uh, and, and then, you know, the G9 shop's integration with the larger staff obviously is also through these uh, collaborative uh, virtual chat rooms or collaborative virtual uh, meeting rooms. So a lot of stuff done online. So you mentioned uh, a term earlier, incidents. And given my public health background, I know what you're talking about, but... Have you had to or spin up pretty quickly about the health terminology and what public health terms are and prevalence and incidence and everything that relates to viruses? Yes, that is exactly correct. So, um, and this is kind of one of the things that I have recognized coming from Iraq and Afghanistan where you're mainly fighting counterinsurgency, 
to now dealing with an outbreak. You know, underneath, many people just, you know, just kind of assume this, uh, but the civil affairs community uh, had to really train themselves on how to conduct counterinsurgency by engaging with and reading up on a lot of sociology or anthropology. Now that we're kind of in this new environment where we're countering a contagion outbreak, you have to really sit down with the epidemiologists and the infectious disease doctors and stuff like that and learn what the difference between prevalence and incidence rates are and how to, and how to calculate an incidence rate in order to allow the commander to understand the degrees uh, or the, uh, the concentration of any given outbreak within a population center or within a group of people. We in the G9 shop here have literally sat down on some nights with uh, the staff epidemiologist that came in here on an RFF in order to understand just how to calculate that stuff, uh, which drove what type of data we would gather and then uh, how we would build uh, that data within our own G9 shop and then how to share that data with the knowledge management team so they could appropriately visualize it on our uh, common operating picture and, and its tools. Sounds like you guys uh, certainly headed in the right direction and were able to turn this around and get the right people to inform you about what the epidemiology and the public health are indicating. That's it, It's good to know that we have so many experts um, available for 8th Army to learn and adjust. Well, I wouldn't necessarily call myself an expert. Uh, I've become a student uh, and uh, it is slowly but surely building our uh, knowledge base but not necessarily to the degree where we want to become an epidemiologist. We want to still maintain our capacity to be civil affairs officers in a civil affairs directorate. However, we must understand uh, the framework of how to allow the commander to visualize his battle space given the new environment, which is no longer counterinsurgency. It's now uh, you know, response to an uh, infectious disease outbreak. Exactly. So my last question for you, some takeaways for the Civil Affairs Commands at Echelon. What have you learned so far from this experience, and what would you like to share with the listening audience who may be battling something like an infectious disease uh, when it comes around their AOR? The thing about Civil Affairs that at least I have found over the past decade and a half of doing this job is um, you have to be proactive and, and find ways to add value where no one else is adding value. I mean, it. You know, civil affairs is one of those positions where you very rarely find someone that comes to you from an operational background, whether they be a G3 or a commander or something like that, tells you specifically what to do. You really have the responsibility of, on your own, gaining an understanding of what's happening and then applying methodologies which you have learned to this given environment, such as civil information management, and then negotiating and collaborating in and amongst the staff uh, to provide value to the command. Not a lot of people are going to tell you to do that or how to do that. Uh, that is incumbent upon uh, the civil affairs officer uh, or NCO that just happens to find himself or herself in location X, Y, or Z, and then move out. It's a lot of opportunity with not a lot of direction, which uh, really requires a, an almost unique personality to be a civil affairs officer in the first place. And a, and I've really been fortunate enough in my career to work with some of the best staying officers that I've ever met. And the G9 shop here is really no different. Uh, we just have a host of different and very, very uh, knowledgeable people, uh, both here in the G9 shop and, and, and 
we've mentioned some of the other ones at, uh, at Echelon, and uh, they're all absolutely top-notch officers, and I'm, I'm lucky to work with them. That's so good to hear, sir. Folks, you've been listening to an interview of the 1CA podcast brought to you by the Civil Affairs Association. Our guest has been Colonel Steve Battle, currently serving as the 8th Army G9 in Pyeongtaek, the Republic of Korea. We've been discussing the COVID-19 response, the role of civil affairs at Echelon, and what he's been doing with 8th Army. Colonel Steve Battle, thank you very much for being on the 1CA podcast. I wish you and your family the best of health. Stay safe, sir, and come back soon. Thank you again, John. Hi, I'm Doug Hurst, CEO of Third Order Effects, the premier choice for governance and cultural advising. 3OE was created to fill the need for improved governance advising for use by the Departments of Defense and State, USAID, foreign governments, and the private sector. Contact us at thirdordereffects.com. If you enjoyed this podcast and others, please remember to subscribe and hit like so the 1CA podcast team gets important feedback and support. The Civil Affairs Association is a proud sponsor of the 1CA podcast and the Unomia Journal. You can find more podcasts like this on the www.1capodcast.org. Again, that's www.1capodcast.org. The Unomia Journal is expanding its content to reach a broader audience and engagement across defense and governments to include other partners and allied countries. New sections in the Warrior Scholar Corner and the Team Room aim to deliver content useful to our members. Check out the Unomia Journal at www.unomiajournal.com. Again, that's www.unomiajournal.com. If you're not a member yet, visit the main CA Association website and find a new range of membership options. Starting with cadets or midshipmen, membership is only $10 a year. We then have our basic annual membership at $40 per year and two years at $60 or finally a three-year membership for only $80. Our most popular and best value option is a lifetime membership at a one-time price of $200. Be a member and don't miss out. 2020 is a big year with transformational changes underway. Lots of new opportunities for members. Don't miss out. Thank you for spending some time with us. Please subscribe and come back for another installment of 1CA. Until then, be safe and secure the victory.